African savannah on safari, looking for... Mike, is that a lion stalking us? I think it's something much scarier. It's a search term report, and someone has keywords with 150% ACOS. Oh no, they never added any negative keywords. Oh, and it looks like all their bids are just $3. No bid optimization? We're in trouble. We need to do something about this giant ACOS, but I don't know if we can do it alone. Oh no, it's the Ad Badger. Should we run? No, no, no. The Ad Badger can save us. He'll rip that high ACOS to shreds with bid optimization and negative keywords. What's going on, Badger Nation? It's Mike and Brett from Ad Badger, and you're listening to the PPC Den Podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast, and your source for all of the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. What is going on, everyone out there in Badger Nation? This is your host, Michael Erickson Fasheen. Welcome to the AMZ PPC Den Podcast. Steven, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty well this morning, Mike. And I feel like I hear some background noise going on. Uh, where are you located right now? That's right. I am actually in the magical, the majestic, the romantic city of Barcelona. Uh, uh, Viva la Barcelona. That's right. Uh, whether it be the George Ezra song, Barcelona, and you just told me there's an Ed Sheeran song, Barcelona. Ed Sheeran song that you've got to listen to, yeah. <laughs> I got to check it out. Uh, and you want to know what? I've been suffering from a little bit of jet lag, just a little bit. But uh, recording, jumping on this podcast with you, starting to pl- map out this topic, I'm starting to feel like myself again. I'm starting to feel pretty pumped up. Getting fueled by, uh, by the Amazon PPC like aura. That's right. That is absolutely correct. I am super stoked about this topic that we're jumping into today. It's a topic that we are hearing more and more of popping up left and right. Uh, We're going to be talking about whether or not you should completely segment out your branded keywords. And before we get into the meat of this episode, if you segment out your branded keywords, uh, or if you just have any other questions about Amazon PPC uh, that you maybe want to ask and and have us answered on the show, feel free to jump over to adbadger.com slash voicemail, or you can dial in 833-BADGERS with a Z at the end of it. Uh, We'll have a call-in show, Stephen, just like good old-timey radio show hosts. That's right. So uh, that question, by the way, uh, Mike, I'm not sure if everybody knows uh, what exactly you mean by that. Should you segment out your branded keywords? What is that? Okay. So let's say you launch an auto campaign and inside that auto campaign, let's say I'm Nike, give an example. So let's say I'm Nike and I launch an auto campaign for a new pair of shoes. What's going to happen there? Well, I'm going to get searches for basketball shoes. That's a non-branded search. And then I'm going to get searches for Nike basketball shoes. That's a branded search. The question then becomes, should you go into that campaign and should you add a negative phrase and block every single search with the word Nike in it from triggering that campaign? And the rationale and the, you know, the rationale behind that we're going to get into. But basically what this means is negative phrasing 
on your keyword targeting campaigns. So you, know, you have your keywords, you have your broad, you have your phrase. Uh, you're going to add your brand as a negative exact to that. We're talking about doing negative branding on product targeting. So if you're targeting, you know, just categories on Amazon with product targeting ads, you're going to go in there and you're going to negative brand your own brand. Uh, and technically, if you really wanted to take a hard line on it, that means you wouldn't have any automatic sponsored products because you can't control uh, what your product uh, display page visibility is. So you can't go in and do negative product targets on an auto campaign yet. So essentially what this means is you would end up with campaigns that have none of your branded uh, searches or your even branded product page impressions triggering your ads. What you would do then would you, you'd have separate campaigns where you allow the exact match branded uh, searches, where the or the phrase match branded searches over there. So you completely have separate campaigns. Essentially, like you're doubling your campaigns. You'd have your branded campaigns where branded terms are included and branded product impressions are included. And then you'd have your non-branded things, you know, your non-branded keywords and your non-branded uh, product impressions. That's what we're talking about here. Should you go through the trouble of segmenting out, completely se segmenting your account and draw a hard line, branded versus non-branded? And you know what? You could even take it a, a step further. Uh, what some folks have actually been advocating is um, to basically having three campaigns, one that has all of your branded keywords in it, Another that just has all of the kind of generic keywords. So for the Nike example, it would be, you know, tennis shoes, uh, basketball shoes. And then having a third campaign that would be a competitor's branded campaign. So that's where they would be targeting uh, Reebok and all these other companies. So you'd basically um, be tripling the number of campaigns that you have because um, just keep in mind, you know, we always... At, you know, kind of a, a strategy that we like to recommend is diversifying your targeting campaigns. So you should be having, you know, a keyword targeting campaign, a product targeting campaign, some sponsored brand ads, some, um, you know, auto campaigns, and that's all just for one product or at least one uh, product variation. Um, so now you're basically tripling that number of campaigns there uh, and segmenting out all of those different targets, whether they're your own ASIN targets or competitors ASIN targets uh, and so on. So all of a sudden we went from, you know, having one product in an automatic sponsored, uh, a manual keyword sponsored, a manual product target, uh, sponsored brand ad, uh, so sort of one product in four campaigns. All of a sudden now we're going to multiply that by three where you have your branded category, you have your non-branded category, sort of generic, and then you have your competitor uh, keywords too. So this can get pretty wily pretty fast. And we're going to get into sort of why this is happening, like why this is popping up. You know, Stephen, you mentioned earlier today that you actually had a call with an Amazon rep uh, on behalf of a client that was actually bringing this up. And I, I, I would say, you know, we don't have any hard data on this, but just anecdotally, I would say probably 30% of accounts. And a lot of times it's very brand heavy accounts. So brands with a lot of brand recognition, this is probably one in three accounts are having conversations like this. Should we be segmenting out our branded keywords? So this is happening more and more. Uh, Steven, why do you think this is happening? Um, I think just everything on Amazon is getting pretty expensive as CPCs in general are rising. Um, and I think, you know, I think you and I have talked about in the past how it seems like um, a lot of times Amazon uh, PPC like strategists or sorry, people who, who Amazon employees who work in the Amazon advertising department are really just trying to 
um, get everybody to just spend more. Um, so they may see an account that's, you know, performing really, really well, uh, has a really desirable A cost, but then says like, oh, like, um, you know, are you actually aware of how much you're spending on your own brand versus competitors' brands? Do you have that kind of reporting? And rather than just like giving us that reporting uh, within, you know, within campaign manager, uh, they basically just advocate you need to spend more money on all these other keywords and create all these other campaigns. Um, so I think that's kind of the the strategy from Amazon's end, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've been working on PPC campaigns for almost ten years now, and. I feel like this, the first time anyone ever asked this was, you know, maybe like five years ago where they took like a really, really hard stance, like dropping in their brand as a negative phrase. Uh, And almost, this was very extreme where they would not even uh, acknowledge any branded revenue uh, where they sort of said, Hey, branded terms, they would have converted anyway. And then, you know, we would get into these conversations where it was, well, you know, what if it's your brand plus a whole bunch of other words? Like, are we going to discount that? What if it's your brand? What if it's Nike versus Adidas running shoes? Is that a branded term or not? So we're going to get into sort of what this means. Uh, should you be doing it? what the implications of this are. Because um, it's definitely something that if you're managing Amazon advertising, uh, whether it be for your own store, it's, it's something on your radar that you should be thinking about. Can you actually get better performance doing this? Uh, and if you're sort of working as an Amazon marketer, whether at a free, as a freelancer or an agency or at a large brand, you know these are conversations that you know, your clients or your managers are, are going to be having, you know, as costs continue to go up, as the scrutiny at which people evaluate PPC campaigns goes up, this is going to be a conversation that you're going to have to have. Um, so let's get into this. Why or why not? You should do this. Are there any performance implications? Stephen, let's get into a couple of reasons of why, yes, you should actually be segmenting out your campaigns this way. Yeah, the very first and probably biggest reason um, for why this could actually be a pretty effective strategy for a lot of sellers is uh, strictly just the idea of having more control over your budget. So at the moment, even I mean, even just say you were going to be so granular as to um, you know create separate ad groups where you would have you know your yeah your branded keywords in one ad group, your generic ones in another. Um, you can't set different budgets for those different uh, ad groups. So you can't control, you can't set a different budget on keywords. You can't set a different budget on ad groups. You can only set budgets at the campaign level. And so um, so that's kind of the, the biggest reason why people will adopt this strategy. Uh, it's because, you know, maybe you're willing to, maybe budget's unlimited on your own brand because, uh, you know, ACOS is so good and you're always pretty much going to be profitable with those clicks. Um, but on a competitor's brand where, um, you know, ACOS is sometimes up to like 80 or 100%. You may be okay with that ACOS, but you do kind of want to do some uh, some damage control and say, you know, only, you know, only allocate like $50 a day to that kind of, um, that kind of, yeah, outreaching, uh, trying to steal competitors, uh, clients. Um, so, so that's the, the biggest reason. Right. You know, when you start getting into really uh, comprehensive, elegant type budgeting strategies, you know, 
there are plenty of reasons to review your total top line on Amazon and then basically say, hey, I want to spend X percent on my own brand and then I want to spend X percent on my competitor brand and then I want to spend another percent on completely generic terms. Uh, And really the only way to get that granular with your budgeting is to you know, do this hardline segmentation of branded generic and competitive competition branded terms. So if you want to control your budget like that, you have to start segmenting like this, um, which also, you know, brings you to the next point, way easier reporting. You know, if you set up your campaign naming strategy, uh, in a way that sort of says self brand competition brand, generic terms, you know, it's going to be really easy for you to filter down and, and sort of just move quickly through there. It's going to be easier reporting to find your true non-branded performance, as well as your branded performance, as well as your competitor branded performance. Uh, and then you can start to think like, hey, you know, maybe this allows for more frequent optimization of areas where I spend more, where my ACoS is a little bit more sensitive. You know, maybe my ACoS sensitivity is pretty light when it comes to my own brand, but maybe it's very sensitive when it comes to just generic terms. You know, I want my, all of my generic terms to come in around uh, a certain a cost level. This is going to allow you to jump in and, and really fine tune that area, that sort of category of keywords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another reason why I think this can be helpful in certain strategies is um, you do generally as just as a PPC principle is you do want to be um, as segmented as possible with your data. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I we always recommend like in an auto campaign, if you um, just say you're selling, I think one of the examples from our, uh, from the PPC Den Academy is uh, lawn mowers, I think. Um, and there's like three different sizes of lawn mowers that you're selling. Um, and you would, would put those, if you know, if those are all in an auto campaign, you could put them into three different um, ad groups just to kind of show some segmentation um in your in your search term reports, because maybe some people are searching for large lawnmower, uh, loud lawnmower, quiet lawnmower, um, and so if they're on the same ad group, uh, you can't really see which search term, um, or yet yeah, you can't really see which ASIN won the conversion, because uh, we've talked about before on the show that you know search term reports don't show you that information which ASIN won which which uh, search term conversion. So um, that's where you know single product ad groups comes in. So that's generally the principle. Um, so now when it comes to targeting different keywords, it's the same idea. We kind of want to segment that out. Um, and another reason why that's helpful is, is you may want to have a different ACoS for your own brand, your competitor's brand, and generic terms. Um, so this is kind of where you're able to um, set up different bidding strategies, bid a little bit more aggressively on those other keywords. Um, I will say really quickly if you're just doing these bid optimizations manually, meaning you're just kind of going through, um, you're just going through Seller Central, reviewing every keyword in your campaigns and adjusting bids from there, uh, you probably won't benefit too much from having these in separate ad groups because you're kind of uh, manually eyeballing every keyword and you know manually determining is this a, my own brand, is this a competitor's brand. However, if you're trying to make these changes um, in bulk with like a, a spreadsheet or you're using some kind of automation software, um, it is helpful to kind of have these keywords se- separated at ad group level. So you can just apply those calculations uh, in bulk to a group of keywords at once. If I'm not sure if that makes sense, uh, I tried to explain as best I could, but uh, you guys can reach out and ask me if, if I can clarify that at another time. 
Right. So uh, having those different ACOS targets and, and really, I think the, the biggest pro of this strategy is almost like an intangible one. And it's simply that it's good to be intentional with your paid strategy. Um, in the sense of when you have to actively look at your search to report, when you have to actively ask yourself, where does this belong? I want it over here. I have this target for this kind of search term. I have this target for this kind of uh, product uh, detail page click. Just doing that is a sign that you are a vigilant optimizer. So that in and of itself is potentially a reason to deploy the strategy. It's just going to force you to do this. Uh, it's going to force you to be vigilant and look after things and make sure your ACOS is uh, at each specific targeting range for your different uh, family of terms. So that's sort of an intangible here. But if I were to open up an account and see that they had diligent maintenance, and notice I said diligent maintenance of this deployed strategy, because if you just set it up and leave it, it's actually really bad. It would actually be worse than, 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 you know, doing, uh, than, than not doing it. Um, but what I would say is if, if it's diligently maintained, it's just a sign of a well manicured campaign, which can be a sign of a high performing uh, account. So mm -hmm. there's definitely some there's definitely some reasons to deploy this strategy. You know, better oversight, better budget control, better budget deployment, uh, better you know active management of how your money gets spent and what your A cost targets are, uh, and it's a sign of a good you know managed PPC uh, optimizer. Um, so those are some, those are some reasons to do, deploy the strategy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for every pro that there is for this strategy, there are a few drawbacks. Um, so let's dive into the actual cons of employing this um, segmented out branded keyword strategy. Yes, Stephen, you are right. There are plenty of cons to deploying this heavily segmented uh, search term product page uh, visibility strategy. The first thing is that if things are going to get a lot more crowded, you're going to have a lot more campaigns and it's going to be a little bit, actually in my notes, I wrote a little bit more cumbersome to manage. It's going to be a lot more cumbersome to manage um, because all of a sudden every search term that you now look at, not only do you have to say, uh, you know, how do I optimize my performance for this? You then have to go the extra step and, and ask yourself, well, where does this really belong? Where do I need to put this? Um, and you can save some time there by making sure that you have good naming systems. So when you're looking at a search term report, you can see the target ACOS. You can see the, the ca campaign category that it came from. So that's one way to, to help mitigate some of this con, to have good campaign and ad group naming systems. But um, it's a little bit more cumbersome because all of a sudden, like I mentioned, you're going to go from sort of one product in four campaigns to all of a sudden one product in four campaigns multiplied by three sets. So you, know, you have three sets of this sort of four pack of campaigns uh, and then, you know, throw in additional ad types that, you know, will potentially be rolled out in the future. It can get you could see how this can sort of exponentially get more challenging, more difficult, which draws me back. You know, this could potentially undo that pro that. Sure, if you set it up this way, but if you don't maintain it, it's it's actually worse. You know, it actually dips what I would think is is actually underperforming if you're setting this up and it's and you're not maintaining it. Right. Yeah, you are essentially 
tripling the number of campaigns that you have, um, which one of the, so like we said, it's a best practice in general to be as segmented as possible. Um, however, there is the problem with over segmentation in which you, you get into a problem of data dilution. So what that is, is if you were to download a search and report, say for example, um, one search term is, I don't know, we'll just go back to running shoes since that's the theme for this morning. Uh, you're looking at the, the conversion the conversion rate for this search term running shoes. You know, how, how well does that perform for you? What's how much, what are your CPCs? How frequently, what's your click-through rate? How frequently do you get conversions? Well, now if that same search term is split over 12 different campaigns, uh, your, your, yeah, your data has been diluted for that one search term. Um, so you're going to have to go through and, you know, either, you know, manually add up all of your search terms and do pivot tables to, you know, figure out what's the true kind of performance for the search term for your product. Um, versus, you know, if it was all just kind of in that one campaign, all of your data would be collected, which just makes, you know, a few things. It makes one bid optimizations easier because um, when all of your data is together, you just have more data to go off of for uh, doing your bid calculations like we talked about in last week's episode, uh, but also with negative keyword rules as well. So uh, if you go back to that episode, we'll, we'll say, you know, if there's a certain search term that gets over, you know, 35 clicks and doesn't get a conversion, uh, that's a good candidate for a negative keyword. Um, but now if that, you know, same search term has been diluted over 12 campaigns, it could be, you know, an irrelevant, unprofitable search term for you, but uh, it'll be harder to kind of, I guess, identify those bad, hurtful searches. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so that's part of it is that this definitely takes time to maintain. You know, you're going to have a negative keyword list and uh, that you're going to need to apply constantly. Uh, so it adds extra work on the setup and it makes that sort of data spread a little bit more difficult to analyze. Um, and, you know, to piggyback on this topic, you know, in the example, we used just the word Nike, but it's not that simple. It's there's Nike Air Force One. So Air Force One is a branded part of the equation. There's the Nike Air Max. So Air Max is now part of the equation. And then maybe should Max also be part of the equation? What if someone, uh, you know, another Nike brand is the M2K Techno, you know, is techno now a branded search term too? What if they misspell techno? Does that mean they, you know, it's a true branded or is it sort of in a research phase where they don't actually know how it's spelled? So you start to get all these weird sort of in-between kind of branded, kind of not branded, where you're not 100% sure, you know, what do we actually define as a branded term? Is it just our core brand? Is it just Nike? Is it the names of our products? Is it the names of our products with other words, uh, maybe people are just doing research and, you know, maybe they're typing in, is Nike, uh, you know, Nike running shoes best? You know, maybe they're not even convinced what shoe they want uh, from Nike and they're sort of in a research phase. You know, how do we classify some of these in-betweeny type terms? Uh, I th again, it's, it is creating more work by doing this. It is sort of adding a lot of potentially mental energy to the equation of managing what could be just a performance-based, okay, Nike Air Max, it performs like this, it gets this bid, I know where it lives, uh, I know what the expectation of the ACOS should be for this kind of term, because I could see all of that pooled historic data right there. You can see that, that this can kind of become a labyrinth of trying to discern what are we actually classifying as branded versus not. Mm-hmm. 
another issue that <clears throat> we don't know this, but this is definitely uh, I think an important question to ask um, is how does this segmentation affect you know Amazon's A9 algorithm and the quality score for your ads? Um, because we feel pretty strongly. Again, we always wish Amazon would just like publish the, their uh, their their algorithm code online, so we could actually see exactly uh, you know how much what factors go in and, and how weighted the factors are. But um, one of the things that that we've definitely seen happen is Amazon will take um, you know kind of the overall campaign's performance, uh, you know conversion rates, click through rates, and apply that to the quality score for that campaign. And um, basically, the campaign's overall performance will affect all of the keyword targets uh, within, um, so their CPCs, their their ad rank, and everything. So what that basically would look like is, you know, if you had competitors branding, uh, yeah, competitors branded keywords in your own campaign, or let, let's actually just stick with the generic ones for now. If you had some generic keywords in your campaign that also had your own brand in that campaign, well, because your brand is performing so well the overall campaign is going to be performing pretty well. And that'll kind of give a boost to those other keywords that you have. Um, so they'll get they'll get a little bit better performance boost from the overall campaign's performance. However, if you separate those out, um, those keywords could potentially get punished by kind of being on their own. Uh, I guess the difference would be like, you know, traveling in a pack uh, versus just being like out on your own as a, as a young person. Uh, young hyena that's about to be eaten by a badger. Um, you know, so that's, that's sort of the, the difference there. Right. So this one is pretty interesting to think about, you know, if I were to bid on a phrase match keyword and allow branded terms, does actually that phrase match keyword get a boost, get some help by having some branded searches support it? You know, does that boost the quality score of that particular keyword? Uh, I think that's a really interesting concept. Um, now the last con is again another one of these intangibles, but I actually think a lot of companies that have conversations like this do it for the wrong reasons and potentially make life uh, for their marketers that are helping them a lot more difficult. So th I think the conception that some people have, and and a lot of times it's sort of a brand manager or uh, you know an owner of a company that just sort of says, "Hey, wait a second. Uh, how much are we spending on branded terms? Why are we doing this? And uh, you know, what's the performance of the non-branded? Like, let's let's do some, let's do a hard line, segment these campaigns, so then we'll really find out. Um, and then I think they start to see these things where, of course, branded keywords have a very low A cost, uh, a lot of revenue. Generic terms are going to have a higher A cost. Competitor terms are going to have an even higher A cost. Is that necessarily a bad thing? And I think sort of when they look at that, you know, is there more value in taking a customer away from a competitor? You know, if you were able to scoop up a sale from a competitor, yeah, that should probably have a higher ACOS threshold of sort of comfort before you say this is a bad. So, you know, if you have a target ACOS for the entire account of maybe 40%, you know, maybe you allow branded terms to go up to potentially 120%. You know, is it that, is it, is it worth you? worth it? Is your LTV of a customer uh, in support, you know, your lifetime value of actually getting that sale and creating a customer? Is it actually worth it to, to get more aggressive? Uh, and probably the answer is yeah, in a, lot of, in a lot of cases. But what we don't want to happen is to have conversations where we say, hey, my branded is coming in at 5%, so I only want my generic and competitor branded comp to come in at 10% ACoS. You know, 
that's just generally not how people behave. You know, a lot of times there's a multi-click journey. You know, maybe somebody clicks on a generic term because they're sort of higher up in the sales funnel. And then later they will do a branded search to finally convert. You know, hey, I'm typing in running shoes on Amazon. I'm clicking out a whole bunch of things. And then, you know, an hour later, I'm going to do Nike running shoes. And then boom, I'm going to make that conversion. Uh, you know, we need to be aware of what our attribution funnels actually look like, which again is another factor to take, to take in here. So, you know, branded searches are not value less. There's plenty of proof behind that, that it improves the total CTR. You don't have 100% CTR for your own organic terms. So throwing in that paid ad helps bring in more customers that would be clicking on the competitor's ad for your own brand. So there's lots of value behind branded spend. There is plenty of value behind having a slightly higher ACoS for your generic and then a slightly higher ACoS from that for your competitor branded. So you know, hold me back, Stephen, because I'm kind of going on a rant here. <laughs> but, basically, but, but basically, there's value at every stage of keyword, and the value is different for all of these different keywords because they all represent people at different stages of the sales funnel. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it is always important to be making sure you're bidding on all of these keywords, uh, including your brand and competitors' brands. Um, I know sometimes when, uh, you know, some, I think, uh, yeah, one reason why sometimes people, want to segment out their data as well is because um, if they, you know, once they do kind of dive in and actually look at the performance, they realize that like maybe the majority of their budget is being spent on their own brand. And they think that that is, you know, now bad PPC because, um, because they would have gotten those conversions anyways. Um, but like you said, uh, Mike, you know, even if they're bidding on their own branded keywords, their own brand doesn't have a hundred percent click through rate and a hundred percent conversion rate. Uh, or another example would be if you have you ever gotten a conversion off of a competitor's branded keyword, and if the answer is yes, that only goes to show um, that it is possible to steal customers. Um, and so you definitely want to be uh, you know bidding on your own brand. And we have a whole episode about that. But just in terms of uh, defending your your product, uh, keep holding back com competitors, everything like that. Um, but one I guess final thing that I did want to mention, um, <clears throat> you know the the major I think what the Probably the biggest reason why people like the idea of segmenting out these keywords is because uh, they think that's the only way to get reporting on these metrics, you know, to actually, you know, figure out how much of my budget is being spent on my own brand versus uh, not my brand. And there actually is a way to find that reporting uh, without the segmentation, which is actually with just downloading a targeting report. Um, so you can download a targeting report from your advertising reports and just apply a filter on your targets to only show, uh, you know, only show your branded keywords. And then you can just do a subtotal there and, and compare that to your, you know, total uh, ad spend to kind of figure out what percent of your budget is being spent on your own brand versus uh, everything else. That's absolutely right. So million dollar question, does doing that hard line help with performance. So let's take all the all the pros and cons and you know a lot of the pros are uh, better reporting or easier reporting and just like you mentioned you can actually get that with the actual reports that Amazon provides even if you're not doing this hard segmentation. So when we take away all of the a lot of the cons too, which are, you know, a lot of them are just increased time in doing this, you know, potentially does it hurt the uh, algorithm and quality score. Um, when we take all those things away, does this 
actually help performance. What are your thoughts on this, Stephen? Um, I've seen accounts do this strategy and uh, I haven't seen a major performance boost as a result of it. Uh, so I don't think it hurt anything per se. Um, it did. It was a lot more work and I didn't see uh, any performance boost. Right. Agreed. In the accounts that I've seen, they've always had their peak performance before doing something like this. Uh, the times where I've seen it you know, go into action, they had a sort of, I guess, a standard account setup. And then they said, Hey, we need better reporting. Let's start doing all these segments. Let's start doing all the segmentation. Um, and it wasn't able to sort of hit back where it was. So is that necessarily a result of segmenting things out so hard? Um, you know, potentially, potentially not. Uh, it, it is very difficult to do this test because you fundamentally have to change your entire account. Um, that being said, in theory, no, you know, there, there's no part of this equation that actually grants you the, the pathway to a better performing account, you know, whether it be higher revenue or better ACOS. This is very much a reporting strategy rather than a performance strategy. Would you say that's true? I would agree with that statement, yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely a performance strategy because you can incorporate all the strategies of, you know, having different ACOS targets for, you know, heavy branded terms, uh, having different ACOS targets for competitor terms and having different targets for generic terms. You can incorporate all the bits and pieces into a, you know, standard setup. So you can accomplish all of these things without doing this hard line segmentation. And you can get the reporting that you need without doing this hard line segmentation. So in general, I would say the only time to probably do this is if you're working with a client or it's important at your own internal brand to have very, very frequent branded, non-branded, uh, generic, I'm sorry, branded, competitor branded, generic reporting on a very quick cadence. So if you had to do this, you know, every three days or once a week, you needed to fill in the numbers for branded, generic, competitor branded. This might actually end up saving you time just because it does take some time to pull the report in a standard setup. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on that, Stephen? Would, would you say that if, if you're working with a client or if there's a brand manager that has these heavy and they want very frequent reporting on branded, unbranded, uh, generic, do you think that you know, just pulling the reports manually from a standard setup could, uh, you know, could be sufficient? Or would you say it might actually be faster to do, to do the hardline segmentation? I think, yeah, my, my advice, um, yeah, I guess like my concluding advice for that kind of a situation is I would say, you know, if you're building a campaign, if you're building a new account from scratch um, and you're just doing all of your initial campaign setups, uh, I think it may be worth um, segmenting out those keywords in that way. But if you've already have an account with campaigns that have been running for, you know, over six months to, you know, years, uh, I don't think it's worth doing a, an entire account restructure to get that quicker reporting. I think that would just do more harm than good in, in that situation. And that is the conclusion of this episode. Should you draw a hard, hard line segmentation for branded, generic, and competitor branded? Uh, the answer is, it depends. Uh, so we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Amazon PPC Den. Feel free to drop us a line at badger.com slash voicemail or eight through three badgers. Steven, any concluding thoughts? I just hope you guys all uh, enjoyed the Barcelona episode and the, the fun uh, background noise. Like you're in this, like you're in the city with us. 
you know where, even if they're not here in Barcelona, we will see them inside the Badger Den. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Mike here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And as some of you may already know, the podcast isn't all that we do when it comes to Amazon. Uh, we actually spend the majority of our day working on building the best Amazon advertising tool we possibly can to help automate a lot of the concepts that we discuss during the show. Yep. And we appreciate you as listeners. We'd love your feedback about our app. Uh, and if you're interested in giving our free trial a shot, just head on over to adbadger.com slash podcast deal. That's adbadger.com slash podcast deal. Thank you so much for the support, guys. We really do appreciate you and we'll see you next episode.